Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Well, we are talking this morning about the fall of Jericho. So this is the first big, I hesitate to even call it a battle because God just works a miracle. Um, But this is the first bit of enemy opposition that Israel is gonna face as they're now stepping into enemy territory. And so our primary passage is chapter six, but we will look back into chapter two a little bit where Joshua sent the two spies and Rahab gave them shelter And we'll also look a little bit at um, Joshua chapter 5, leading right into chapter 6. So we're going to open there in just a moment. But can we pray together one more time and ask the Lord to be our guide and our teacher as we get into his word this morning? So Jesus, we thank you for your word, Um, God, that it, it gives us everything that we need, God, to know you, to understand who we are, who you've called us to be, and how we can live in this broken and fallen world And yet, your kingdom is here, and you are at work. And so, God, would you speak to us through your word today? Holy Spirit, would you make this come alive in our hearts? And God, would you help us to see things that we can apply individually in our walk with you? God, things that we can apply in our homes, um, in our relationships, at work. And God, ultimately, right here in our city, as we know God, that you want to continue to rescue and save people. God, you want to see your kingdom expanded here in Knoxville, and we want to cooperate with that work. And so, God, would you teach us through your word this morning? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you all about success this morning. And, you know, success is something that our culture aims at quite a bit. But I think often we miss the mark in how we measure success. God's definition of success is very different than our fleshly definition and what our culture aims at to measure success. And so true success is measured by our faith in action. Not faith and action, faith in action, right? Faith that leads to obedience. That's the true measure of success. And so um, this is by no means like every aspect of faith that the scripture talks about, but we're gonna look at three components of our faith journey with the Lord this morning, all right? So point number one is the foundation of faith, the foundation of faith. So Joshua chapter five, verses 13 through 15, right before Israel is about to embark and go face Jericho, Joshua has an important encounter. Joshua 5, 13 through 15. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. That's that's battle-ready position. I mean, if there's a guy in armor who's just wearing a sword and you're now in enemy territory, you're gonna be on alert. When the sword is out, 
Uh, there's only one reason to take a sword out. It's about to go down, <laughs> right? There's action. And so Joshua sees this and Joshua went to him. I love the courage of Joshua here. He goes to him and he said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man said to him, no. I love that. That's one of my favorite responses in scripture. Are you on my side or their side? No. <laughs> God's like, no, 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 no. This isn't about me choosing one of your sides. There's something altogether different happening here. No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Now I wanna just pause right here. There are several appearances in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. And one of the primary ways we can tell the difference between Jesus appearing in the Old Testament versus an angelic being is anytime someone tries to bow down and worship an angel, they immediately stop them. No, 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 don't do that. Worship only belongs to the Lord. And what I love about Joshua here is, first of all, I mean, what must Jesus have looked like standing out there in full powerful garb with a sword? And Joshua had the courage, not knowing who it was yet, to approach him. Whoa. Like one element or foundation of faith is having courage. Faith will stretch us. He was courageous. He didn't, he didn't run at the first sight of what looked like an enemy ready to fight. He approached. And so we see courage. But we also see something else, right? He immediately, when he realizes this is the Lord, he bows in humility and worship. And verse 15 continues, and the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Courage and humility working together. That's the foundation of faith. Courage and humility. And I love this, you know, whose side are you on? See, so much of what we call faith is really just trying to get God to co-sign our hopes and ideas. This for sure happens outside the four walls of the church. But friends, this happens within our own church communities far too often. I have my own personal little agenda or idea or dream, something I'd like to see happen in my own life or my ministry. Like I'm a pastor of a church in Knoxville. We just moved here with two other families to start this church. But guess what? If I start walking around with the idea of this is my ministry, this is my thing, and I've got faith for my thing, and God, will you bless my thing? Whoa. It's not my thing. It's not my life. My life is not my own. If I've given my life to Christ, it's his. And so friends, I'm not saying that it's inherently wrong for us to dream or have hopes, but like, are the things I'm dreaming and hoping for, are they things God has said? Are these his hopes and dreams? Or have I created my own American dream or ideal that I'm pursuing? 
and then saying, God, oh, please bless that. And then I'm confused when he doesn't seem to be blessing and honoring my dream that I had faith for. Is this making sense? Like I've been there. I've been there where I've had like ideas and thoughts and I never stopped to like ask the Lord, God, is this you? Is this what you want? And then I'm wondering why he's not showing up. Listen, the foundation of faith is recognizing this isn't about having faith that God comes and agrees with my ideas, agrees with my plans. It's doing what Joshua did. God said, buddy, I'm not on their side or your side. I'm God. And the real question is, Joshua, whose side are you gonna be on? And so Joshua had to submit. He had to walk in humility and say, okay, I'm on, I'm on your side. I'm with you. I submit to your will. That's gotta be the foundation of our faith. Submitting my thoughts, my hopes, my dreams to the Lord. Letting him be king. That's the foundation for faith. Jesus is the victor. See, everything that's about to happen for the people of Israel, it's because God said, I wanna do this for you. I'm giving you this land. I'm doing this. Jesus is the victor. Our role, the foundation of our faith is to come in humility and then encourage, step into the things God's calling us to. I walk in faith and obedience, participating in what his mighty hand is doing. That's point one. Our foundation is faith. And so here's Joshua now humbly submitting to the commander of the Lord's army. And now we move into Joshua chapter six. And we've got these page breaks in our Bible, but like this is just rolling right into this encounter that's happened here. And so Joshua six, verse one now, I'm just gonna read through the first half of verse three and pause for a second. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. So, so Jericho's on the ready. They're taking siege position already. We're closing up the gates. We know that you're nearby. We, and so that's the, the situation. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Now we get to some instruction. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. So Joshua's humbly submitted to the commander of the Lord's army and the Lord's saying, you see that city over there? I'm giving you that place. That king and those mighty men of valor, I'm giving it to you. So get your men ready for battle and go march around the city. And don't you know Joshua, the warrior that he is, is like, all right. Here we go, let's, let's take the city for the king and his kingdom, let's go, right? He's ready, but he continues on. The second half, verse three, thus shall you do for six days. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought we were going to take the city. We're just gonna march around it for six days? Well, hold on, there's even a little more to it than that. Verse four, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. I mean, can you imagine like Joshua's a warrior. The first time we saw him, when he shows up on the scene, he's in a battle, right? Moses is up on the, the hillside with his arms stretched and Joshua's down the trenches fighting. Like this is a warrior. 
And God's like, all right, we're gonna go take the city. Cool, start marching around it. Do that every, every day for six days. On the seventh day, go around it seven times and have the priests blow some horns. <laughs> can, y'all, can y'all envision this? Like, I know you may already know the story. How many of you guys are familiar with the story of Jericho, right? See, part of the problem when we, when we know so much scripture is we get so familiar with it that we can't put ourselves there. We can't imagine what it must be like. Like, that's an enemy. We have to go fight them. And you're just saying, circle around the city for a few days and blow some trumpets? Like, this had to be so confusing. Where am I at? They're blowing the trumpets, I think verse five. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. See, it's one thing to have faith to believe that God's gonna do something big, right? Like God, I'm trusting you for this thing. It's an additional step of faith to trust the way God wants to do it. Friends, the second point this morning is that a lot of times faith looks like foolishness. Faith looks like foolishness. Like I've been so convicted in my life how often like I have a sense of direction maybe, like God, we're supposed to go there. And immediately I just kick into the gear of like, well, let me, let me problem solve this. Let me get some good strategies together. Let me figure out all the right steps. Instead of just saying, Lord, what, what's your plan of action? What are you calling us to? What are your steps? Because I, you know, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I can kind of figure things out. I tend to be a planner. I like to plan ahead and think things through. I wonder how often we're all for God's objective, but we don't approve of his plans to get there. Anybody been there? I'm hoping for something, I'm believing for something, and all of a sudden, his timing is no longer lining up with my timing. His ways of getting there suddenly are not the ways I was hoping for. Oh, my marriage relationship is gonna be strengthened, not because it's easy street, but because we go through some hard things. Oh, you mean instead of being the big macho husband, I have to learn to have some humility and admit my faults and sacrificially love my wife. She has to learn to like forgive and love and like, oh, the way we're gonna get to the place of having a good, strong marriage that we hope for is there might be some difficulty along the way. God's like, yeah, I actually wanna work through that difficulty. I'm at work in that. Is this making sense? See, it's one thing to believe in in the big, cool things, the exciting things that maybe we're believing the Lord for. It's another thing to trust him with how that process unfolds. His plan, his ways with his timing. So Joshua has to trust God's plan. And think about Joshua right now. Who just heard this crazy instruction? Did God announce it to all of the people? No, who heard it? One guy, Joshua, that's right. So think about this, okay? These people have been following Moses, right? 
Moses showed up on the scene and like 10 plagues are happening. It's pretty easy for the people to look at that and go, uh, okay, we're with this guy, <laughs> right? Now they come out of Egypt and then they see this massive sea part. And it's like, whoa, okay. And Joshua watched those people rebel against that Moses, question that Moses, grumble and complain about that Moses. And in fact, they got stuck in the wilderness for 40 years because of their lack of faith, trusting that guy. And Joshua was going, okay, now you want me to go back to them and tell them the plan of attack in the new territories. We're just gonna like walk in a circle around this city for a week and then we're gonna blow our bugle and yell and it'll be ours. <laughs> like seriously, what if I told you guys, hey y'all, I just, the Lord gave me this idea that there's a church down the road that's gonna be ours soon. And so for the next several days, I just want you guys, would you come over there with me and we're just gonna walk circles around the building each day. And then on Sunday next week, we're gonna rock it seven, seven times. Alex, can you bring an instrument and make a really loud noise and we'll all yell and then the church is just gonna be given to us. Would you ever set foot in this place again? <laughs> you think, he's crazy. What is he talking about? Like, can you put yourself there? God's telling Joshua, I'm gonna do something that to you seems foolish. But will you trust me? Will you watch the miracle that I'm gonna do? See, I think sometimes God delights in stretching us outside of our comfort zone and stretching us outside of what we can plan and can control just so we'll learn to trust him. Maybe even a little bit so he can just show off to show how, how good he is, how strong he is, how much he'll work on our behalf. He's like, Joshua, you guys aren't gonna get credit for this one, buddy. I'm getting the credit for this because I'm giving you this land. And so Joshua, I love this. He does what God said. He was willing to look foolish. You know, there's a lot of things in our walk with Christ that run counter to the culture that we live in right now. But I gotta say, I think one of the biggest ones might be the church's unwillingness to look foolish to the culture. I'm ashamed of looking crazy for believing what I believe, for living the way that I live because how this culture measures success and how God measures success are very different. Am I willing to have the kind of faith that's willing to look foolish in the eyes of the world? But to the Lord, it looks like someone who humbly, lovingly will follow him, whatever he says. And so Joshua is willing to do that. I'll move us through this quickly, but I want you just to see how this unfolds. So day one, you know, Joshua lays out in the next couple verses the instructions to the people. He gives them some sense of the instructions. And then in verse eight, and just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets. The rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. 
then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Walk in silence around the building. Hey, soldiers, ready for war, just like escort the priests while they blow their horns. And the people did it. You ever spent any significant time in a group of people and, you know, maybe you go through an experience together. Like, like for me, what comes to mind is um, having done years of summer camp as a youth pastor, right? So you, you spend a lot more time with people suddenly that you usually see for an hour or two once a week. That's like we're together for seven days and like everybody gets a real good sense of who we all are now, right? <laughs> Get to know those kids real good. And so you have a sense of that. What are people gonna do after they've experienced something really strange and different at the end of that day? Some people are gonna be like, oh man, this is, I'm kind of excited about this. This is pretty cool. Some other people are gonna be like, what in the world are we doing? I mean, the kinds of conversations that must have been happening in the camp, we don't know. Maybe everyone just 100% was like in and excited. That has just not been my personal experience with human beings. <laughs> Usually we're not all 100% in and excited. It's like, this is weird and confusing and I don't really understand what's happening, but we're gonna get up and do it again tomorrow. And so they repeated this. Verse 14 tells us about this. They repeat days two through six. And the second day they marched around the city once and they returned to camp. And so they did for six days. What were these people thinking as the days just kept stacking up? Faith often seems foolish especially when you are faithfully following what God said and you aren't seeing results. It's one of the hardest seasons to be in. When I'm doing what God said, I'm faithfully following him. And from my perspective, there's no success yet. I don't see the results I'm looking for. Will I hang in there? Will I keep walking? Will I be faithful and trust that in his timing, it's all gonna work out. And so we come to day seven, verses 15 and 16. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Like, this is the moment. All the buildup, all the excitement, shout. We're about to see, is this gonna happen or not? And I think it's so important what Joshua tells them next because he describes to them what success is gonna look like. When you take the territory God is giving you, here's what I want you to do. Listen to it, verses 17 through 19. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. You're not gonna profit from this. You're not gonna profit from this. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. We'll talk briefly about Rahab in just a moment. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make of the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all the silver and the gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord 
they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. This was the miracle that God worked and he was getting all the glory and the credit. It belongs to him. See, am I in this for me or am I in this for him, for his kingdom and glory? All too often, the way I've answered that question in my life is like, Lord, sadly, at least in part, I'm kind of in this for me. I'm kind of looking for what I'm gonna get out of this. But am I willing to say, Lord, this is what you've called me to do. This is the miracle that you have worked. And this is for you. This is for your kingdom. This is for your glory. Man, guys, faith refines us. You see that? I mean, I'm like convicted at every step of this. Like, am I willing to look foolish? Am I willing not to get the credit after the fact? It's the Lord who gets this. It's the Lord who's honored by this. There's one thing that survives, and it's Rahab. She comes into their camp. So we're about to move into the third and last point, but I want you to see what happened. After all the faithfulness and all of the silliness and foolishness that it appeared to be, the people did what God asked. They marched around the city seven times. They blew the trumpets. They gave a shout, verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. Can you imagine? Like I'd be shocked if the walls of this school fell down. This is a city wall that perfectly circles this and they watched it fall flat when they just shouted. Like guys, you can believe in the miracle. You can hope for God's goodness. But when you see the thing come to pass, whoa, it's amazing. And because they were willing to look foolish and because they were willing to submit their dreams and ideas to his dream and idea and say yes to him, they got to see the miracle and they got to participate in the miracle and they watched the fall flat, the wall fall flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him and they captured the city. Friends, success is not measured by completing our strategic plans, but by surrender and obedience to the Lord. That's success. It's the foundation of our faith. It's the willingness to look foolish as we walk in faith. And then finally, number three, we've already seen a picture of this, but I want you to see it just a little bit more before we leave. It's the fortune of faith. There's a gift that comes with faith. And I want you to see this through the eyes of Rahab. So there's just this little brief moment where this woman is mentioned here in the middle of all of this, who her and her family are gonna be rescued from the very city that's being overcome. Because remember, whose side is God on? No one's, he's on his side. And Rahab, who appears to be an enemy, has aligned herself with the Lord. So I would encourage you to read through chapter two more on your own. I just wanna hit a couple of brief points to show Rahab and her own faith in this story. And so back to Joshua chapter two, beginning in verse one, Joshua has sent these two men to be spies and to check out Jericho in advance. 
And so he sends these spies in verse one. He tells them, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house for they have come out to search the land but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them I love this Joshua's one little strategic moment I mean I don't know for sure that God didn't want him to send the spies but there's no evidence that like he prayed and sought the Lord should I send these two spies his one little moment of strategic thinking he thinks these two smelly guys that have been living in a wilderness for 40 years are going to be able to sneak into Jericho and look and smell like them And uh, guess what? That didn't work so much. They're like, hey, uh, I think there's some foreigners in town today that we recognize. But because of God's grace and because of the faithfulness of Rahab who recognized these people were God's people, she took them in and she hid them. I love that. And so we see that once Rahab has distracted the soldiers and made a plan of escape for the spies, she comes and talks to them. And I want you to hear her words because she describes from her perspective the God of Israel. So we're picking up now in uh, the kind of the second half of verse nine. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Watch this, verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. How long ago was that? 40 years, but they remembered. There was something unique about the God of Israel. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, that's that battle that we read about that Joshua was a part of, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Verse 11, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is the God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Friends, when we are willing to walk in faith, when we're willing to step into things that even look foolish in order to obey the Lord, it doesn't just affect us, it lets other people get a glimpse of the true and living God. And here's a woman who's a part of a lost and broken culture that's had warning after warning after warning and now judgment is coming. And she looks and she sees the story of a God she doesn't know and she says, that's the real God. That is something unique I've never seen anywhere else. Look at a God who moves like that. And it catches her attention. And with her limited knowledge of who the true and living God is, she puts her faith in him. And at great risk to herself, she protects his people and helps give them a way of escape. So this beautiful story unfolds. She lets them down the window, you know, out of a rope. And then they say to her, we're gonna pick up, I'm gonna skip verse 15. Um, they say to her in verse 18, after she's let them down out of this rope through the window of her house, behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down 
And you shall gather into your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Here's the sign. When we return, this scarlet cord is going to be hanging from your window. Now, if they're escaping the city through her window, then where is her house? It's in the wall. Her house is a part of the very wall that God said is going to fall flat. And the spies say, the same way you helped us escape out of this window, you hang that scarlet cord and we will remember and the Lord will protect you and anyone in your house will be rescued and saved. And she said in verse 21, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied, she bound the scarlet cord in the window. The Hebrew meaning of that word cord, in a literal sense, it means what you would think, like a cord or a rope. But most often in the Old Testament, this word gets translated in, its, in more of its um, figurative sense, not its literal sense. Figuratively, that word cord, it means hope. It means hope. There was a scarlet thread of hope. It means the very ground of hope or expectation. She placed her hope in the true and living God. She placed her hope in the people of God being faithful to their word. And she hung that rope. And so think about what happens now. Guys, it wasn't just a miracle that the wall fell flat. One lone house in the middle of that entire wall that fell flat one lone house remained. What a miracle. The whole wall collapsing. Can you imagine being in that house and the trumpet sounds and the wall is shaking and like that's a moment of faith right there. I've seen what that God has done for them before. Is he gonna do that for me? I've never been in an earthquake I've never experienced that. Has anybody ever experienced that? Okay, a few people have. I can't imagine just the shaking and the rumbling. Like, it's so loud and so strong that the walls of the city are collapsing all around you. And can you imagine being crowded in that house going, is it gonna fall on us too? And when the dust settles, God has preserved us. He makes a miracle right in the mess of this rubble. He worked a miracle for the people outside the walls and he worked a miracle for the people inside who were trusting in him. And their hope did not disappoint because they put their faith in God and he provided for them. You know the one thing that Israel did receive from the fall of Jericho, the one gift, the one treasure, it was Rahab and her family. That's, that's true tre treasure anyways. All the rest of the things that we fight to earn and accomplish and do, building up our name, having money in the bank, none of it lasts. You know what's eternal? People. And God treasures people. And the gift that he gave the people of Israel was the gift of Rahab and her family. And it was such a precious gift that Rahab would be in the very line of our Savior, Jesus Christ a foreign woman who was not of Israel, who by the way is described as a prostitute. 
God redeems her life, brings her into his family and his people, gives her a place and a home, and she's one of only four ladies mentioned in the line of Christ. Go read it in Matthew's gospel, chapter one, verse five. Rahab is right there in the line of King David, in the line of Christ. A true scarlet cord that runs throughout scripture of God's faithfulness to provide us with a savior. In closing, I just wanna read these words from Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Our God, who we look to in faith, he is willing to be everyone's God. As his people, will we walk in faith with his dreams, his ideas, his plans, not our own? Are we willing to walk in faith and maybe look foolish sometimes as a result? Are we willing to submit what we define as success in order to let his true measure of success come forth? May what he treasures be what we treasure. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that when we put our faith in you, our hope in you as Rahab did, that it is a sure foundation. God, success might not look like what we had hoped for or planned. The timing might not look the way we want it to look. But God, I thank you that you are faithful. God, that we can align our lives with you, with your lordship. And you will be faithful to see us through. Your ways, your timing, your measure of success. God, I pray for myself and my friends here today. Lord, that you'd help us identify any area where we've gotten a little off track. Lord, if we've been trusting in our own objectives, our own plans, our own strategies. Lord, if, if we've been unwilling to look a little foolish. Or God, if we've just gotten weary. Lord, we just feel like we've been circling those walls and we're not seeing what we had hoped for. God, may we remain people of faith who continue to walk one step at a time in obedience to you, walking in humility, walking in courage, trusting you. Would you help us with that? Thank you that you give the gift of faith to those who ask. And so we ask for that today. And we thank you that you're faithful to give it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.